Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Hey, we're happy to have our brother Buck Matthews with us this morning, and he's going to bring God's Word to us in our Bible Instruction Time. Brother Buck, please. Good morning. Good morning. Romans chapter 8, you can open up toward the end. I had Don start with verse 33, um, because that's the message for today. Verse 33 of Romans 8, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. We're going to go over four opponents today, whether they can charge us and claim to us the idea that you are not worthy enough to be in heaven. We saw you sin last week. We know you did this. And, and we're going to use the four opponents. We're going to use sin. Does sin have claim or charge on us? And they say, you can't go because you sinned today. And you can't be in heaven. And then the other thing is Satan. Satan says, ah, I know your inward thoughts. I heard those evil things that you did. You don't deserve to be in heaven. Well, the other thing is the law. The law says, all know you come short of the glory of God. And the fourth thing will be death. Does death even have claim over us? Can can it do anything to charge God's elect? But before we get into that, who is God's elect? Let's answer from Scripture. The words in the Old Testament using them, and the New Testament, they're translated the word election, or elect, or choose, or chosen. Those are the words always by God. These words are used by a divine choice. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 45 and 4, it is the elect, which is mine elect. Israel is mine elect in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have, uh, you can turn your Bibles to Ephesians 1, verse 1 to 7, we're going to read. But in the New Testament, we have the church of the living God is the elect one. And look at Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Still not used to this new Bible and the pages and all, but Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us. We are the elect one. The church at Ephesus is the elect one. He has chosen us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Now it says before the foundation of the world. There's an expression in the scriptures before the foundation of the world and from the foundation of the world. When you read in the scriptures from the foundation of the world, that has to do with Israel and their blessings. 
when you hear before the foundation of the world, that has to do with church. Understand, just a little tidbit there. Now, he not only chosen us before the foundation of the world, in verse 5, he has predestinated us unto the adoption of the children of Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Why did I read that? The New Testament church is the elect made up of us. We that are believers. And it is actually, election is by grace. It never means that God has chosen someone to be elected to damnation. Never means that. I'm going to use some verses now to explain why it never means that. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever except those that are... No, that doesn't say that. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all, except for those that are, no, that's not right, that are all <laughs> should come unto repentance. And John, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The, the word is all, exclusive, means whosoever, you, me, and anyone. And D.L. Modi's favorite verse in the Old Testament is Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Why was that his favorite verse? Well, there was one snowy day and he was trying to get to the church that he normally went to, but he couldn't. The snow was too deep. So he entered into this little building there and they were going to preach. And the preacher that normally preached was not there. So this old guy gets up. Uh, he's probably in his old. Let's see. That'd be his nineties. Nineties. <laughs> he he get up and he opens the Bible to this verse. <coughs> and he said, "This. Look unto me, and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there's none of them." And then he pointed and said, "Young man in the back, look to Calvary." Look to Calvary and believe in him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He was saved that day. That's the day that he got saved, the El Moody. <clears throat> Today, election are those that are in the church, those that were baptized in the body of Christ by the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. God knows the end from the beginning. In the beginning, he lives, he lives always before the beginning. God knows the end from the beginning, and he is always in the eternal present. Everything is eternal. Everything is present to him because he is the great I am. The election is holy and entirely by grace. No effort or merit is considered an election. God loved us. Christ died for us. And the Holy Spirit calls us when we hear the word, when we receive the word, and believing in Christ. 
Now let's go back to Romans chapter 8, <laughs> verse 33, and see that verse again. Who shall lay anything to the charge <clears throat> of God's elect? Who shall lay or claim that you, the elect ones, are not worthy to be called the elect? Who's going to do that? How about sin? Can sin have a claim on the elect? The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. <clears throat> and Romans 3.23 says, we, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 6.23. You see, we're not sinless, but we sin less because we're believers. You get that? We're not sinless, and they can't, sin can't have claim over us because we commit a sin. We sin less because we are believers in Christ, and we have the conscience and the Spirit of God that tells us that we have sinned. <clears throat> There's an expression in Ezekiel 18.4, says, The soul that sinneth that shall die. But what does Jesus say about our sin? John 5.24, <clears throat> Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The Holy Spirit abides in the bosom of the believer. And if we return to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 6, I'll just summarize it. He hath quickened us and made us alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Even when we were dead in those sins, God quickened us together with Christ. He has made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I'll ask you, if Christ gives us life, can we say that sin can lay a claim on us? No. Final answer First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God hath made him, Jesus, <clears throat> only to be sin for us. He on our behalf, who knew no sin, he was sinless, he was faultless, and he was a sacrifice that we may be made the righteousness of God a wonderful place to be. Therefore, sin has no claim on us. Sorry, sin, you can't send me anywhere or make me weak at all. But in Christ, we're righteous, we're holy, we're pure, and we're complete in him. The sin question is settled forever since this Jesus took our sins, nailed it to the cross, and he bore our sins in his own body on the tree once and for all and forever. So again, amen. Sin cannot have any claim on this elect one. Can Satan? Ah, he's a sly little fellow. Once and for all in his body. No, sorry. He charges us. And he looks and he says, you think that you are good enough to be in heaven? <clears throat> no, we don't think that. We don't think we're good enough at all. It's not that at all. He, he tried to deceive Eve in the garden. And God 
put a punishment on him. But in John, 1 John 3, verse 7 to 8, it says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is out of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy or make of none effect or to undo the works of the devil. In Genesis 3.15, it shows there that there's going to be a battle between the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan. But there was going to be a victory as well. And that victory was at Calvary. Calvary was the victory. The devil was defeated at the cross. His, his head was crushed. And Jesus' heel was bruised. Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. Hebrews 2 verse 9. It's, it goes like this. But we see Jesus, who was for a little time made lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So we can't listen to Satan whispering in our ear, you're not the one that he died for. He died for this guy, for this person. No, he died for me. In Hebrews 2, verse 14 to 15, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of that same, that he, through death, might destroy, make to no effect, him that hath the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their time subject to bondage. Jesus Christ changed it all by his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, Jesus was given a body of flesh for a specific purpose, dying for our sin. He paid my sin debt. That's the, that's the course. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to take away my sin. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace the whole day long. Long Jesus Christ paid the debt that I could never pay. Amen. And in his flesh, Christ died, but death could not hold him. No. Could not hold him. He defeated death. He defeated He defeated death and he defeated the devil. Who, had given, who was given the power of death. Thus, Jesus finished the work his father gave him to do. He completely defeated the works of the devil. Therefore, Satan cannot lay anything to the charge of God's elect. Amen. What about the law? What about the law? Can it charge anything to God's elect? Today, as well as in the first century, Time people would say that the law, you got to obey the law. You got to obey not just the Ten Commandments, but all the other laws too. You got to do that. No. The law was given 
to tell us that the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Romans 3.20 Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. And this verse shows clearly that the law, through the law, is a knowledge of sin. And we have, the law shows us that we have sinned. In 1 John 3, verse 4, it tells us that whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law. What does Jesus say? I am not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have come to fulfill the law. He's satisfied. He is satisfied. And every demand of God's righteousness, so since the believer is in Christ, he is in is in them. Sorry. Since the believer is in Christ, Christ is also in them. And the believer in Christ is the one that understands that the law cannot charge him of any shortfall. We are all complete in Christ. And that takes us to the question of death. Remember, sin does not have claim on us. Satan cannot accuse us as a great accuser. He can accuse us, but it's not going to have any effect on us because we are in Christ Jesus. And the law, it condemns and shows us that we've come short of the glory of God, but we've trusted in Christ. And finally, we have the question of death. Can death lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Can it? In 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy that will be destroyed by Christ is death. And 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 says that therefore we are always confident knowing that while we are home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are confident and willing to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And then going to 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57, summarize. Death has no sting or claim to the believer. So when this corruption shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall brought, bring, brought to pass the saying, it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? There is no victory. There is no victory in death. Death has no victory over us because Christ had the victory. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 18, we're going on a trip. We're going on a trip and we don't have any millionaire to send us up 11 minutes, just barely up into space. My Savior's going to give me a body. He's going to take me up into glory. Very quickly, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And then the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the Lord. In a moment, death has no claim on me because going back to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 31 and 35. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. 
What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who's these things? Verse 28 of Romans 8 to 30. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did know, this is his purpose, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be forgiven? Who can be against us? Nothing. No one. And based on verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall say these? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. And verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We understand that we are more than conquerors. We understand that we are in Christ and that we are protected by him. No one's going to be uh, defeat God or Christ. We understand that the Satan doesn't understand that his time is short. He's going to work real hard to get us. He can't take our salvation away, but he can take our testimony. He can ruin us. He can make us weak but he's not going to take my salvation from me. But that does make me feel good because I should not doubt. I should not continue on in weakness. I should read Romans 8 and meditate upon it. I shall understand that he that, hath, he that is in you is greater than he that is without. We know that a soon coming day in chapter Revelation 19, 11, that Christ is going to break through the clouds. And he's going to come in and he's going to take that old uh, Antichrist and the prophet and cast them into the lake of fire. He's going, to, he's going to have that victory and set up his kingdom. And for a thousand years, and just an angel, just a simple angel came down and tied Satan and bound him and put him in the abyss. Not the lake of fire, but in the abyss. To wait for a thousand years. Wow, what that must be. To wait for a thousand years. Wow. We haven't even been in the country that long. Wow. But the idea is that soon that 1,000 years will end. And Satan will be loose. And he will deceive uh, the armies of the world. And they will come up. And they will come against Israel and us. And we will be with Christ, I should say. And they will come against us. And they will try and destroy us. But God will send fire down from heaven. 
and destroy the armies. And he will take Satan and cast him in the lake of fire. Then the dead in Christ shall rise up. And they shall stand before a great white throne. And they will be not have anything to say. They will be placed there by God because in Revelation 6, he, the, the people cry and go into the mountains and they cry for the rocks to come upon them and destroy them and hide them from the one that sits on the throne. They knew he was up there. They knew that they were going to suffer and they would sooner suffer at the hands of the rocks coming down and destroying them. And, that. and yet, even because they did that, if there were rocks that came down and killed them, they will still stand before the great white throne of God, of Christ. And Christ will look at them and he'll say, I never knew you. Go away into everlasting fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And the Bible tells me that there will be many there that won't be just Satan and the false prophet, and the Antichrist, and, and Judas, and Hitler, Mussolini, not just them, just that person that went to church every Sunday and thought that they were going to get to heaven by obeying the gospel, by, by trusting in just some of the word, by just believing in the law and be, being attending church. And they thought that they would be saved, that they would be going to heaven. They'll be in hell. But then, a lighter moment of time, we know that we will not go. Who shall lay anything to charge the elect of God? No one, nothing, no any living creature. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's double security, double love. And we can't beat that. I just think I'm going to stop right there and, and say a word of prayer. Our Father, we look to Thee now and we thank Thee that, that no one has a claim on us but Christ. Christ has bought us with His own blood. He has sought us and bought us. And He's going to take us up into the glory soon. And we'll be with Him and like Him forever and ever. Might we be encouraged that no matter how low we get, depressed we might be, how we may not be secure. We know that in Christ we are secure. He that is the one that has purchased us with his own blood and given us a position in Christ. And we're looking forward to his coming. Until then, help us to occupy and, and, and be serving thee down here having that confidence that the devil cannot claim or the law or sin or death cannot claim me because even if I end up in the grave, I'll have the victory because my body will be changed. I'll be up in the glory in the soon coming day. Until then, we thank thee for the word of God and the joy that we have knowing that he that is in us is greater than he that is within in the world. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.